Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Houston. We got a problem. We are picking up with part two of Kingdom Men, and we have some awesome brothers here. Uh, in addition to the others that were here last time, we have Keith and we have Drew, who I always get confused with his brother. They always they're twins, and I'm terrible telling twins apart. So whenever I see them, let me tell you something. When I first saw them on social media, and they used to do like these side by side videos, I used to think like, man, like. This dude got some serious skill. Then I found they were brothers. I mean, they were twins. I'm like, are you serious? So I'm terrible with twins. I know God's going to bless me with twins, and I'm going to be sad because he's going to laugh at me because I won't ever tell them apart. But anyway, we have Drew here, and we have Keith. Keith, uh, you want to tell us about yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Keith Goosby the second. Uh, I live just north of Dallas in Texas. Uh, got beautiful wife, Jamila. Three wonderful boys, uh, Kingston, Kendrick, and Khalil. I had to say it slowly so I didn't mess any of their names up. Uh, and I am a founding minister of Net Church, which right now we're exclusively online. Okay. Okay. So tell us a little bit about Net Church. What's well, online, but tell us a little bit more about it. So uh, I've been running from the the thought or idea of being a pastor um just as long as i had been running from the idea of even being a minister at all and finally i submitted to what what the holy spirit was saying um because i always knew i was supposed to be part of a church plant i just figured i could come behind somebody else's vision and somebody else's plan mm -hmm. and just kind of help behind the scenes but uh 2019 god made it very clear this is what i want you to do and like like many of us probably do, uh, get out the notepad on, on the phone and jot down whatever it is God is saying and captured it. Uh, and so it's 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 actually a home church. Uh, we're going to meet in our home when we can uh, for those who are local. And initially we were going to you know start in the home. I was thinking it might be two people come over the house and then one day it would spread and then we'd have to be online uh, to meet in different homes. And God flipped it. Uh, we had a pandemic, nobody could go outside for a little bit. And and so then with uh, J-Rod Jonathan, uh, we started uh, Bible study online and that's kind of how things got kicked off. So I thought we would start small and local and guys like, nah, scrap that. You're gonna do, you're gonna go online first. And, and so we've been doing Bible study for uh, just about a year now uh, and, some other, and some other things online. Uh, so we've connected with people instead of just local in my town literally around the world god's just done some amazing connections people become friends who didn't know each other until they met in a breakout room and in, in zoom so uh so yeah we're just getting started you know can i just say it is awesome how uh, the pandemic shattered a lot of our uh, what's the word our routines to where we figured like this is how things are supposed to be but then we had to adjust and now we feel like hey we can do church differently like uh my old church used to say no more church as usual and i figured that was very prophetic because we can kind of get into like a traditional way of doing things like a little routine or rut but then you know <clears throat> god's spontaneous so sometimes he switches things up a little bit and the way that we kind of think that things should be he's like nah let's let's adjust let's add a little bit more spice to this and i think that's pretty cool so what's the average attendance so for bible study on thursday night uh we probably get uh, like it's 22 people and i know that's a really specific number uh but i pay attention it, it's about 22 people consistently each week 
Um, and then we, we've also been doing this thing a couple times a month called Friday Night in Light. Uh, it's a little bit smaller group, usually 10 to 12 people uh, where we can, we, we can dig in a little bit more because it's a smaller group. Uh, so right now, that's what we're doing. And not everybody who comes to Bible study is directly affiliated with Net Church. They don't say Net Church is my church. It might be their second church home. Uh, I know a lot of us have where we go and where we serve. And, and then somewhere else where we like to be engaged as well. Uh, and then there's some who just come to Bible study and that fits in with the vision that God originally gave me. Like there's gonna be your core people, there's gonna be some people who are in other stuff but wanna be a part. And then there's gonna be people who are just involved uh, and you may just feed them and, and that's okay. It isn't about church membership. It isn't about, uh, isn't about buildings. It's actually part of the vision God gave me is don't be worried about a building. Uh, if, if people are meeting in homes, there's the building and just keep spreading in, in whatever communities people want to be a part. So yeah, that's the long answer to attendance. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. I mean, I'm used to it. You know, preachers, they, they talk. Ain't that right, Zay? I don't need that disrespect from you today, sir. <laughs> We're here to edify, Kobe, edify. <laughs> and I am not long-winded. I go like 40 minutes, 45. I bet none of these other brothers in here, they pass is going 45 minutes. Y'all be in church all Sunday. Tell me I'm lying. Okay. Except Brother Keith. He's, I don't know about Brother Keith because he got to speak for himself now because his, his congregants aren't here. He's a leader at his place. But everybody else? Nah, nah, nah. I need y'all to step up. Tell the truth. Kofi, see what you did? You put everybody in the spotlight now. <laughs> That's what happens. You fell into your own snare. <laughs> Drew, you want to tell us about yourself, man? Um, yeah. Uh, my name is Drew Thomas. I am 24. I have been following Christ for five years now. I serve at Grace Family Church in Ontario, California. Um, I wear many hats there. I do um, praise and worship, Sunday school teacher hospitality to different things um, alongside. We're a small church, um, non-denominational. Um, yeah, I am a college student graduating with my BA in sociology this month. I, in the fall, hope to get my teaching credential and hopefully enter a mid Midwestern theological seminary and get my master's in Christian education. So. Okay, so, so you just trying to teach at a, a Christian school or? Eventually. I mean, huh? Eventually, yes. Okay. So you don't have any uh, interest in being in the ministry at all? or? I do, but I do really like to look for platforms to kind of just pray and see where God leads. That's a wise thing to do. All right. So we have uh, Jermaine that's back. We have Avedon that's back. And one of my good friends, Zay, who you all know, who just fussed at me for uh, calling him Longwood. <laughs> It's all love, baby. It's all love. <laughs> but um, so we're going to pick up from what we talked about last week with Kingdom Men. And it was a really good conversation between uh, Avedon, Jermaine, and myself. And we could have went on for hours. Um, but one of the things we left off <clears throat> that we actually focused on a lot in the last episode was uh, validation. And I'm going to ask you guys this before we get into the whole validation aspect. I'm going to ask, what do you... How would you define what a kingdom man is? Because that's basically what your perception of what a kingdom man is will dictate how this conversation goes. So we'll start with uh, Keith. What do you, how would you define a kingdom man? 
I would define a kingdom man uh, as a man who is uh, really just following the, the instruction from uh, Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom and then all, and then all the other stuff. Uh, and so that, what that means for each individual man, uh, I think there are, I think there are some commonalities. There are some things that we should do. We should be people who, we should be men who are, uh, you know, students of God's word, whether that's just our, our own reading and absorbing uh, solid biblical teaching uh, or going to school or whatever that may be. You don't have to do all of that, but someone who's a student of God's word, uh, someone who at least tries, I mean, that's really all there is, at least tries to listen to the Holy Spirit and, and do things that the Bible clearly says we ought to do and does their best to avoid the things the Bible says not to do uh, and, and really does prioritize whatever, whatever assignment or avenue God has placed them in uh, from a kingdom perspective. And that doesn't even have to be in church you know, you could be assigned to be a school teacher or a, a basketball coach, and God has placed you there in that environment to be his ambassador. Uh, so being, being an ambassador, really, an ambassador of God's kingdom, wherever he's placed us. Okay, okay. Uh, what about you, Drew? I thought last statement, the um, being an ambassador, wherever God has placed you in your respective dwelling or calling. Um, yeah, <laughs> I would elaborate, but you would said it. I'm actually glad that Brother Keith um, actually mentioned that because that is one of the verses I believe completely embodies what it means to be um, a Christian um, as far as like um, the way that we operate on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, and I always, I'll always, even as I share at my church a lot, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. Like God comes first. I believe it's Colossians that says in all things, Christ is to have the preeminence. Um, and I'm not going to preach because I know I get long winded. Uh, but um, I think when we look at scripture, one of my favorite things to think about is how the trichotomy that is the, that is the Trinity, right? They all point back to God, right? You'll see that even though I believe that um, in hypothetic union that Jesus Christ was both God and man. Uh, but that you'll always see that Christ, that even Christ said, I did not come to do my own will, but the will of the father. Like, so even in his earthly ministry, his teaching, preaching ministry, he was still doing what the will of God was first. So he would seek the kingdom. And I believe that it's our job as men and women of Christ uh, to seek the kingdom of God. And I think that will embody what a kingdom man or woman is. So brother Keith, thank you for sharing that because that's a verse that I really strive myself to live by and teach our church to live by. I thought that was a great, that was a great position to put it. Well, let me ask you this. Just talk to me like I'm five. I mean, I understand what you guys are saying, but for other people out there, when you say seek first the kingdom, how does that look? That's a really that's a really great question. I like to tell people this when I tell them about how what biblical um, what biblical Christianity looks like. Um, scripture says this one thing. Scripture says to him that knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. All right. And so, if if you are five years old, I will say. What are some things you know how to, that you think you believe a Christian is supposed to do? And so that kid would probably say, well, I believe that we should go to church, okay? Forsake not the assembling of ourselves, whatever that looks like, whether it's small, online, you know, mega church, whatever, right? What else should you do? They're going to say, we should pray. Well, scripture says men, are, men shall not ought 
faint, but man should pray and not faint, right? Pray without ceasing, you know, pray a supplication, all those things, Matthew 4, 6, right? What else should they do? We should read our Bible, right? Well, Bible says that this book of the law should not depart out of your mouth. You know, you meditate on it day and night, you'll have good success. And so I'll say that someone who is seeking the kingdom is number one to be doing what, what scripture tells them that they should do. Now, I've been a Christian for 17 years. And so what I know what God wants me to do may be more extensive than uh, Brother Drew, who said he's just been following Christ for five years. So Drew would be doing what he knows scripture says for him to do. And I believe that in doing that in the capacity that he has, that he knows and understands that he would be embodying that call to be a kingdom man by doing what you believe based on scripture that God says for you to do. You know what I'm saying? And so, of course, I believe that is a multifaceted position um, and that for some that's expansive and there's a, a, a lot of different parts. And for some people, that's only a couple of different things. You know what I'm saying? And so um, I believe that that may look different for everyone. There's not a cookie cutter way that that fits everybody that looks different for, for different individuals. Um, but I, I know that one of the, the main focuses, I believe, is, of course, being a testament, like Brother Keith said again, um, to be an ambassador for Christ, right? To herald his name, to share the gospel is our, is our first, is our first, um, is our first goal as, as children of God um, is to share the gospel, right? To go out into the highways and the hedges and to compel them to come into his house. That's what should be taught first to people anyway. Moving forward, all the other stuff is what I call secondary, um, secondary issues. Um, but um, that's it in, if I can say, a, a nutshell. Can I just say that that was a sermon? I heard five points in there. Praise God. <laughs> <laughs> I preached the passage before. That's all I am. It's already in there. It's already in there. Keith, you set me up, brother. <laughs> Does anybody else have anything to add to that? I mean, Kofi, if you want to have the altar call, I mean, I guess you can do that. <laughs> we right there. <laughs> no, I'm just going to add, um, you know, seek, you said how you explain this to, you know, a five-year-old child. So it's like, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And usually it's, we can start small. You know, starting small is just teaching them how to pray, teaching them how to have, you know, that relationship, you know, with Christ. Um, it makes me, I'm glad, I'm happy you brought that up because it reminds me of that scripture where Jesus is like, no, don't send the children away. Sad to say, it's like, we often send the children away when we're gonna go ahead and teach. Whereas that is a perfect time, especially at those pivotal ages, to teach them. So it's like they can know, you know, right from wrong. They can know what is God's standard of good, what is God's standard for wrong. And then by them teaching that, then they have the opportunity to have Holy Spirit to teach them at a very young age to be really ahead, you know, of their um, their peer group in a sense, com in comparison with the world, because now they're walking with the spirit of God. They're walking with the knowledge of him. And it's like, they can at a very early age be led to walk um, fully spirit led. It's been said that um, you don't fully know something until you can teach it to a five-year-old. Um, so think about that a lot in teaching Sunday school where the kids were asking sometimes I get like simple, but also complex theological questions. And I try to explain it in the most relatable way they can understand where it makes sense for them in that to each bracket, we them their maturity level. 
and they they know it. And that's a, that's a good point. And another thing I was thinking about: Do you think that we kind of lack in fundamentals of the faith? You know what I mean? Like we 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 are so heavy on the deep things. We want to know all these deep things, the mysteries, and all that stuff. But we kind of struggle understanding certain concepts. Like we want to know these prophecies, we want to prophesy, but we can't love. We want to lay hands and heal the sick but we can't be kind and generous and give to someone that's in need. And it's like, do you feel like nowadays uh, we lack fundamentals, fundamental Christianity? I'm talking as like a coach because when, you know, when you coach a sport or whatever, in order to be great, you got to master the fundamentals, right? So that's kind of where I'm coming from. I would, I would say absolutely. I, I think uh, that was a wonderful paraphrase of 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, because that's what I see Paul saying to the Corinthian church, like, wow, y'all are fantastic. If, if this was only about your ability to perform spiritual gifts and look like really good Christians, y'all got it, but you're lacking, you're lacking the most fundamental element, and, and, that's, and that's love. And I do think that it's not just a recent thing. Obviously, if, it's in, if it was happening uh, long enough ago for, for it to be in the Bible, then that's something that's pretty common. Uh, that we we'll, we get away from fundamentals because I, I choose to believe uh, that anytime anyone starts out in their in their walk or starts out in some form of ministry, it's it's with the right intentions more often than not. But then we'll 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 stray off, we'll get away from it, uh, and and lose those fundamentals. Just to piggyback off that, I agree because it's like we don't necessarily um do what Ephesians says by putting off the old man as we discussed last week a lot of us men we don't put off that pride we don't put off a lot of things we don't put off uh patience we don't we don't take on patience we don't take on long suffering it's like we don't we lack those fundamentals and we don't take a moment to all right i'll just i'll just say it out there like i'll even say even for myself we'll gain revelation will run with revelation instead of sitting and meditating on revelation and sitting and letting that birth something inside of us so we have enough fruit to share with somebody else. It's almost like, you know, we say faith without works is dead, but with a tree without fruits is useless. It's like, we're not gonna go ahead and give nothing to nobody, so yeah. I like hey, if I could piggyback off that real quick. A verse that came to mind is what scripture says, you know, if the foundations be removed, what can the righteous do? Right. And um, one of the things I teach about my church and maybe to a fault sometimes is I believe in transparency. And the reason why I say transparency is important is because if you have the false foundations, right, you won't be on the if your foundation isn't sturdy. Right. You won't where you're trying to go won't be a realistic view on, of where you are. You know what I'm saying? And so I think a lot of times as Christians, we're doing way too, too much. Like if you look at what Paul says about like, he says, you know, some important things. He says, when you were supposed to be a teacher, you still were in need of milk, right? When you still were supposed to be able to be, um, a, 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 you know, a teacher of the word, you were still, um, you were still a novice, right? And it's important that people, a lot of the reasons why people are still novices while they still are in need of the milk is because they haven't grasped the fundamentals yet before they began to get involved in all of these extra things. And so a lot of the reasons why that happens is that you now have um, improper teaching. You now have individuals um, uh, um, who misconstrue 
scripture um, who who optimize power and do the wrong things because and a lot of it is, is not even out of being willfully uh, ignorant or, or negligent it's out of being ignorant and that's because they haven't had a proper level of fundamentals and that's how people get hurt by the way that's how church hurt church hurt becomes a thing that's how men begin to lead their families on the wrong path and I think talking about the fundamentals is absolutely imperative because you have to have the proper uh, the proper foundation. Um, in order to in order to do the right thing like for instance like i'm getting ready to be done with my master's program but there are some things i had to learn early on before i can start my practicum next week you know what i'm saying because if not i'm gonna get myself in ethical and legal trouble i think that happens same thing spiritually you know what i'm saying is that people end up doing the wrong things and getting the wrong places because they're found the fundamentals aren't there like it's just like basketball like any other thing you have to be able to have the fundamentals in order to excel the way that you need to and so i think they're absolutely imperative yes sir now, I'm glad you said mention the family because as all of you were talking, I, I, I saw um, so many similarities. So I'm going to ask two questions. The first question is, and I asked this last week too, and you guys can you know reinforce your points if you want, but do you think there's a difference between being a kingdom man and a biblical man? And the second question is, pertaining to family, do you think that as Christian men, how we lack in the fundamentals of uh of the faith, do you think that translate into how we lead our families? Um, just to go off from last week, I'll set it down, say it again. I believe a kingdom man is a biblical man because a, you know, a biblical man is going, a kingdom man is gonna go by what's in the Bible in context, not just cherry picking. <laughs> so I do believe they're one and the same. But I do also do believe it does dictate on how we do guide our families, though, because if well, one, if like if we're having a true relationship with with the Lord and everything, it's going to convict us on different ways on how to go about different things, which ways to it goes it goes deep anywhere from um, I would even say uh, anywhere from jobs to disciplining children interactions everything it goes with how much we are led by holy spirit but that comes from what you said i'm glad you mentioned both it comes from understanding what it means to be of the kingdom every if we go by just um historically every kingdom has its own set of rules and standards so when we say we're not in the world, we're in the world and not of it, we're basically saying we're not in this kingdom anymore. So we have to really regulate what the kingdom of God is and what the kingdom of the world is. So once we do that, we, we really start to understand that there is, there's levels, there's so many levels to this. We have to understand, oh, the kingdom of God doesn't go about things this way. All right. I'm going to say this out here just to put it out there. The kingdom of God doesn't go out canceling people on Twitter. I'm going to say it out there. I'm, I'm going to put it out there like that. The kingdom of God brings people in a home together in private and talks to people as a family to properly correct. And then if nothing's happened, then they give them off to the world. It's like, okay, you we did what we can. We give you off privately to the world, but we don't we don't do how the world operates. That's just a minor example. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, just going off of, uh, of what he was just saying, 
a, a kingdom man is going to be a biblical man, but I do believe that it's possible to be biblical and not kingdom minded. And I, I think we see, we see so much of that uh, and are sometimes guilty of that ourselves where uh, particularly in, in Western United States, American uh, type Christianity and the way it, it gets practiced, uh, though some of those who believe that they're the best Christians just have the best doctrine, or at least that's what they proclaim. Uh, and it becomes all about doctrine, 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 so much to the point where the kingdom work doesn't actually get done because we're too busy telling people that they got it wrong, too busy telling people that they're not saved because they didn't read it right, too busy telling people uh, everything except <laughs> that we love them. You know, and uh, I guess just to piggyback off of that, so there's this dynamic, I mean, we're talking about like the foundation or, um, you know, what's the, Xavier brought this up earlier, like what's, what's the base of, of, you know, your belief system or like what's at the root of this thing? And I believe that um, <clears throat> while Christianity is popular, uh, I believe that there's like various gospels, like gospel of works and gospel of self-righteousness and gospel of carnality. Um, and so like, and, and I'm just as name as you, uh, gospel of uh, capitalism, where um, it, it like pertains to God or pertains to, to Christ, but it's not actually him. Uh, and so like, when you talk about the root or when you talk about the foundation, like if Christ isn't at the, at the, at the if Christ isn't the cornerstone, um, eventually that thing is, is going to, to um, morph or be uh, distorted or um, really verge or diverge from like the character of, of Christ, the, the nature of Christ. Uh, and so, yeah, I think that like, in terms of being a kingdom man or in terms of um, like, Leading, leading, the, leading the home, um, I believe that it, it's difficult to do that when the, our version of the gospel is not the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's the gospel of some other uh, central focus. Yep, and also it's like, or our favorite minister or influencer, you know, and we, uh, yeah, it, it, can, it can get pretty, uh, chaotic i know like last week i had said basically the same thing keith had said that it's a kingdom man like we I, you know i agree with everybody like a kingdom man is biblical but a biblical man cannot can sometimes not be a kingdom man because there are senses of religious traditionalism of uh legalistic righteousness and all that stuff like and then i made a comparison and we always beat up on these guys but as i start to study them i, I understand their perspective a lot more but it's like how the Pharisees and the Sadducees and other people during Jesus' day were where they adhered to the what was in the Bible, because this is what the Bible said, or their, you know, the the laws of Moses. But then they still didn't have that that spirit behind it. And that's what Jesus was trying to get them to see. And that's why he constantly rebuked them, is because like you know what the law says, you do these things, but there is no love, there is no passion, you don't look out for your neighbors like. And, and was it Matthew 24 when he did his diss track you know his hit him up where he told them he was like man he said you uh you strain the the, uh, the camel for whatever and he's like you do all these things you tithe down to the nearest cumin and all these things but you still are stealing you're still doing this you're still doing that you're still denying people justice like you you try to do all these things but you're still missing the mark 
And I think that sometimes that when we're trying to adhere to what's in the Bible, so many, so often we kind of miss it. You know, it's like, well, the Bible says this, but then if you read somewhere else, there is a, a section in there that looks like it contradicts it, but it doesn't. But it says, hey, you know, in case of this situation, this is how you should respond or how you should act. You know, so I think that whenever you try to adhere to what's in the Bible and you're not, you don't have the spirit behind it, you kind of lose your way. And that's kind of how I differentiate between a biblical man and a kingdom man. Like, do you guys agree, disagree, or do you have anything else to add to that? I totally agree. It, it, when you were speaking just now, what came to mind was uh, the incident when Jesus and his disciples, they had been out doing, doing work. Uh, he'd been teaching them and they were hungry and it was time to eat. And so they went and they ate and onlookers were like, your disciples don't wash their hands. They don't do this, the ceremonial cleaning of their hands. And Jesus was basically like, we hungry, what do you want? <laughs> and so we can get so caught up in doing things exactly the right way to the letter of the law that we, that we miss the point and thereby can mislead our, our families and communities and people we have influence with. Yeah, just to piggyback, um, I would say I don't fully agree with the perspective of a kingdom man. Um, a biblical man may not be a kingdom man only because it's, excuse me, going by what's biblical, Jesus was, my belief is Jesus was the epitome of what a biblical man was. That's how I define what a biblical man is. Where we see Jesus, he walked out the entire, he was the only one to walk out the entire law perfectly. So it's like, if he's correcting the Pharisees who were still in, you know, still stealing, who were still hateful, who were still being, you know, basically hypocrites, if they're being called hypocrites, then technically they're not biblical. They're pretending to be biblical. They're pretending to be something they're not. And it's almost like the best way I could use this is almost like somebody who is pretending to be a police officer. They go out, they patrol the neighborhood all the time. They, they, they have a badge on, so they look like they're the part but they don't have any real training. They don't have any real credentials. So it's like, do I say that they're part of someone who is for safety and protection or are they self-proclaimed? And th this is a part that it's like, I, it's, it may sound, I'm not trying to sound wrong. I'm trying my best to sound gentle saying this because I do want to respect everyone's you know worldview and everything, but we got to get to a point where not everyone that professes the word of God is a, is, is a Christian. Not everyone that or who practices biblical practices is living a biblical lifestyle. You know, a lifestyle is ongoing. It's every single day. And that's why when, when I, you know, even just going back even towards Leviticus, it's like, or, you know, Deuteronomy, it's like, you can see where the Pharisees cherry picked. Um, the woman at the well, comes, I mean, excuse me, the woman caught in adultery comes to mind, where by the law, they were legally supposed to bring the man and the woman there, but they only brought the woman. So it's like, you, we have to consider so many cases like that, where 
they were doing all these things to test Jesus. And even that, we have to think of the mindset of what it even says in the gospels, because or excuse me, the epistles, because I consider that being part of biblical too. Um, in Philippians 2, it's like Philippians 2 says it, James 3 says it, and even um, Galatians 5 talks about strife. They were consistently in competition and strife against Christ. And it's like, to what y'all was bringing up the point with, um, you know, always telling someone that, that they're wrong or saying how they got it right, that's a form of strife. That's not of the fruits of the spirit. They're not even operating in that. So if they're not operating in the fruits of the spirit, it's just like, in the fruit of the spirit rather, can we call them um, biblical? Can we call that person that, you know, can we say they're biblical if they're not showing the fruits of the spirit? That's my only thing with that. Yeah, I would say um, that uh, I think I think we all understand like your definitions of uh, your definition of uh, a biblical man, a kingdom man. Um, I would say though that uh, like outside of this this call, um, those those term that term is used very broadly and applied very broadly to different uh, practices and different thoughts and different Jews is in is in the uh, I guess I mean almost almost all of us. I think I'm Keith. I don't know if you went to seminary school as well, um, or some kind of like I guess yeah, seminary school. Or, or you were thinking about going to seminary school. I don't I don't I don't actually remember. But ultimately, that world very biblical in terms of what they know knowledge wise. But um, in terms of in terms of like the, the following the character of Christ, following the nature of Christ, following the the, the principles of the kingdom, eh, not so much. Uh, some seminaries, yes. Other ser other seminaries, absolutely not. And so, um, we definitely understand, Justin. You know your definition of you know uh, you know a biblical man, the kingdom man, and why it should it should line up. But I, I I know for I know for a fact that if you were to if we were to have this conversation in like a, another circle or another environment, people would say, Oh yeah, I'm a kingdom man. Yeah, I'm a biblical man, and their life doesn't necessarily line up with it. Um, so yeah, I would just I would just add that. I mean, and I know that's why I feel the way that I feel about this dynamic of how you could be a kingdom man, not a biblical man, because that term um, is used very broadly. Um, and so yeah, I think I think making the distinction is necessary. I will say too that when it comes to terms, um, that there are times where, like even the word Christian, right? Even where somebody says I'm a Christian, that's even tainted, right? So. And it's like some people will say, and I felt like this for a while. It's like I'm not gonna call myself a Christian because all the negative connotations that come with it. Because so I got tired of fighting with people. So, but even even that is has has a bad leaves a bad taste in people's mouth. So, so it is with someone claiming that they're biblical and someone saying it's the kingdom and this and that. It's just like you have all these bad connotations. And so you are right, uh, Jermaine, when you say that distinctions and definitions are important so people can know where we are on an even playing field. And, and Justin, I'm with you too. Um, I, I think that at the core, you know, we all should strive to be biblical, but I also think that, you know, there are those times where you have people that kind of teeter, like Drew had made the point, and I want him to chime in on this because he made the point that, uh, you know, there are some people that are very charismatic that um, are shouting on us and that, but they, you know, they may not be, they may be in error on certain things, you know? And uh, so I'm, I'm setting you up. I'm doing a Chris Paul dime. You want to go ahead and take it away? Yeah, basically. 
um, my path to call it um, glorified workout pretty much where you I can go into for like 10, 20, 30 years, dance, shout, thinking chandeliers the whole nine yards and have never have any teaching that challenges them to grow in spiritual maturity, never challenge them towards holiness, never challenge them towards Christ-like conduct and basically putting what kingdom man is, putting principles in effect in their lives every day. Kind of go to church and hear, sometimes not even hear a sermon probably, but you never, you never pretty much challenged or kind of brought from the foundation to um, that meat, I would say. You kind of, yeah, that makes sense. I, I follow you. So you're saying that the, in some aspects, people aren't really challenged to, to grow. They just, quote unquote, feed on milk and just call it a day. You know, the same people that's been in the same spot for 40 years and and uh, you don't really see them stretch. You don't really see them grow and, and develop more Christ-like character. I, I can feel that. And, and that's where you think that somebody, so, you, so in your perspective, somebody that's kingdom-minded is like that. They can be. I wouldn't say that they are, but they can. They can be based on your um. It's just basically your planet, really. You can always aspire to be kingdom men, but just where your planet has a, a profound impact on how you um practice your what you looking looking profess. Okay, because like whenever I don't know about these other guys, whenever I think about that, I don't I don't really think about the the charismatic type. You know what I mean? I don't really think about the person that's. That shouting and falling out and running around the sanctuary, I, I, I wouldn't, I know, but I, I don't really think that, but um, I see where you're going with that. And there's always a balance. I always talk about balance and, and I think there should be a balance there. But let's go to the second part where I ask like, how do you think that this portrays into how we, how it affects us in our family lives? Like, do you feel like there are some aspects to where you lack that, translate into how you lack in your family life or you've seen it happen to other people's lives and how they lead their families um i would say that uh something that i've always been aware of is like it's brought up in timothy this dynamic of having a form of godliness but but denying the power thereof right which basically means like you you, you know your life you live in a lifestyle that pertains to god um but it lacks the um actual fruit or the manifestation of the power that would um, testify to God being present in your life or Christ being present in your life, right? And so I, I think that um, in terms of like areas where I'm where I may lack or areas where I'm 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 like how to say this I'm painfully aware of my like humanity or painfully aware of like um, like my flaws and my imperfections. I would say that at the at the end of the day at the end of the day for me. Um, it has to be Christ that's making the changes. It has to be Christ. It has to be Christ that's, that's like bringing the upgrade or, or bring, it has to be Christ that's, that's like evolving me, that's improving me because otherwise it's like, it has a form of godliness, but it doesn't, it's not long, it doesn't stick. Um, and so um, I think that an area, going back to this question, an area where I lack, I think that I'm so, sometimes I get so solution oriented um, that like my improvements can be very like, <laughs> logical and practical and you know uh, methodical but like they lack it lacks faith and so it doesn't it doesn't stick um and i don't i don't 
I wouldn't say that I'm that way with a lot of things, but I know like that's kind of like I'm a I'm a fix it. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a solution guy. And right. so like that's how I, I default to those that kind of perspective on any kind of issue. Um, but but like I said, for the most part, without that faith um, that that incorporates the power of God, um, it's not consistent. So. OK, so I thank you. I you said a few things that remind me of uh, some some of the ways I feel. Like I know last week I, I talked about it, how sometimes it's hard to trust God, you know, and it's like there's some aspects where it's like, God, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Um, and the, to answer the question, too, like there are aspects to where. Uh, for example. It's, it's taught that men are dominant, that we are leaders and all that other stuff. I reject the notion that we have to be these dictators, right? Because I know a lot of times, like, they tell you, you need to flex your authority. You got to be the alpha, all this other stuff. And I reject that because it's like, I'm not trying to dominate no one else. I'm not trying to uh, demand to be respected and in charge without earning that. You know what I mean? And I, I and it's something that I struggle with because I, I, I know that uh, God made men to be leaders. Um, but I, I really struggle because I've seen so often how we abuse that. We abuse that in our homes, um, how we mistreat our wives and our children over the centuries. And uh, that's something that I'm learning on the fly right now to where it's like, you know, yeah, I am the man, but I, I want to, uh, I want to earn that respect, and I want to, I don't want to sit there and try to control someone because I don't want anyone to control me, and that's just me being transparent. And it's like, do you guys have any thoughts on that, or have you ever felt the same way, or whatever? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing that the Holy Spirit has been training me on is, you don't have to, you don't have to prove or show that you are correct even if it's something that he directly told me that you know this is what it's supposed to be it's not my job to correct anybody literally anybody unless he says this is what i want you to say to this person that this is how i want you to say it to this person and if he is not leading that I'm shutting up. <laughs> I've been learning to shut up <laughs> and I'm putting it out there like that. I'm that's probably a very harsh way to say that. So I'm learning to be silent. I'm learning to, you know, utilize silence. And through learning this, I've learned how to listen more effectively because now when I'm listening to when I'm listening, I'm not listening to how can I respond to correct? I'm listening to how can I respond to pray for this person? And it's a different way. It's a, it's a different conversation altogether because now when I'm listening, it's like, okay, this, this, like there's many times you hear like, wow, they're solid. They're good. They're, they're good to go. They're really spirit led. But then sometimes you may hear something, the Holy Spirit will, will talk to you and say, that's there. And in the past, I'll be quick to say, or try to find a way to address it in a way that's, that's, that's still, you know, gentle or light. But then the Holy Spirit was like, I didn't say go ahead and do that. <laughs> so it's like, for me, I'm learning that 
that whole part of being a leader is understanding the people that you probably do desire to lead, understanding where they are at. If they're at a place where they may not understand, then is are my words going to lead or push away? Or is my example of living what I believe going to be something that they could follow behind? Many times we as men, we're so busy, you know, making rules saying what needs to be the case instead of making footsteps for people to follow. So, yeah. That for me uh, resonates so clearly because that's something that uh, that I've had to learn and I'm still learning uh, as a husband and as a father. And I think the, I think the principles can apply to, to any of us, but specifically for me as a husband and a father, I have had to learn what, uh, what it means to love my wife like Christ loved the church and to not exasperate my children. Like, what do those things mean? Uh, it, it's real easy to gloss over the words and be like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll love my, my wife like Christ loved the church, uh, but then skip that next part. And, and so I, as I have learned it, uh, when I'm asked, because uh, in the same way, I'm, I'm not giving correction or instruction where, uh, where nobody asked for it. But when I'm asked by men, like, what's marriage like? Death. And it sounds really harsh. And I, and I, I actually, I discourage people. I discourage people from getting married. Not because I don't want people to get married, but because like, you need to really know what, you, what, you, what you're signing up for if you if it is your intent to have a godly biblical kingdom glorifying marriage it's not just my wife's supposed to submit to me we like to start a little late in the text we're supposed to submit one to another i've had to learn what that even means in order for me to lead and love like christ loves the church that means i have to be willing to lay my life down now would i take a bullet for my wife yes i would but short of that, what does it mean? For me, I've learned that it is laying down my prerogatives, my, my, my priorities. There are several times where I lay down, physically lay down what it is that I want to do in the moment to, to love my wife and not tell her that I laid something down so that I could tend to what it was that she wanted to. When sometimes it's financial, and I said, oh yeah, sure, go, go ahead. And so now I'm, I have to make an adjustment, something that I wanted to get for myself. And like, oh, this was the check where I had the little extra to get something for myself. Now I put that off, but I'm not gonna tell her because Christ wasn't hanging on that cross telling everybody, see, this nails for you. See, this nails, for, oh, oh, they got me on my side. That's because of you. He didn't do that. And so I try every single day to to learn from that. And I have to learn every single day so that I can apply it in every moment in every situation with my family. And Lord help me because uh, when, when we get done here, I have to go and learn it again when I engage with my family. Yeah, and I, will, I would wanna, and, that, and you, that was like beautifully stated on, you hit the nail right on, right on the head, this dynamic of, you know, Christ, husbands, love your love your wives as Christ loves the church. That is the standard. Um, that's not like a an encouragement. That is not like a 
hmm, this is like a poetic. No, this that's the standard, right? And so, uh, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Nothing more a suggestion. Maybe you should love him. You know, no, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> this, that's that's the standard, right? And so, Kofi, you mentioned the dynamic of how, like, over the over the years, over the generations, over the decades, it seems as if like men are more. I'm I'm paraphrasing what you're saying, but you 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 said that like it seemed like men has been taking men have been taking a step back in the homes uh, and, and kind of just like not really being loving. Um, <clears throat> and I think that's like a direct reflection of people just kind of like diluting this thing or kind of just forgetting it or just not really not really paying attention to it. Like, you know, this it, when it comes to marriage, the, the standard is how the way that Christ loved the church. Um, and if that's if that's like forgotten or if that's something like, oh, that's nice. Uh, ultimately, the marriage is not going to reflect what is, is the, the marriage is not going to give what it's supposed to give. And so um, <laughs> we're looking at um, a lot of a lot of dynamics, cultural and, and societal. And, and and you talk about a Keith, 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 Keith mentioned, uh, mentioned earlier being in uh, Americanized Christianity, a lot of different dynamics at work that don't necessarily uphold that um, standard. And so, yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, I completely agree. Um, so, yeah. I just want to say, as a young man who's quoting right now, this is best me. I knew you would get some some out of this. That's one of the reasons why I, uh, I wanted you on here. Like, these old heads gonna going to drop some wisdom to this young buck here. But, uh, but Jermaine, you guys, you guys are saying a, a lot of really, really good stuff. Um, there is something that I wanted to add to where when, like when Keith said, he had quoted by, we love in our wives, like Christ loves the church. And that's something that I've always, like when I'm in relationships, like I, I get my mindset ready for that. It's because like, if I can prepare my mind and stuff now, I won't have to scramble and do it whenever I'm married. Right. So it's like, I have to be willing to sacrifice things that I want. And I do think that a lot of times, like you said, we start late in the text, right? And there are times to where, like, we, as men, we just want women to control. And like I said, I struggle with that. But I also think that if we practice loving Christ, how loving women, how Christ loved the church, our marriages will be a lot better off. Like, you have seen so many abuse um, stories and women being murdered uh, in the homes by men but what's even more alarming is by their you know these be, these be pastors that are doing this or ministers or deacons that are beating on their wives that are killing their wives or beating on their children and they're trying to use the bible to um to uh okay what they're doing and it, it's really discouraging and i i want i was going to ask this last episode too but it's like patriarchy right and I feel like we we engage in that, but is there uh, is 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 a kingdom man, a Christian man? Do we engage in patriarchy? What is patriarchy, and is it a bad thing? Don't be scared, guys. <laughs> I'll go. I'll go that's first. A, that's a setup. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll I'll go. I'll go first. So let's. Well, first of all, I want to answer to what you one thing. Piggyback what one thing you said. One of the things you know that we can do to show is like for like husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. A good, one thing that I've learned is submitting to Christ. If a husband is not submitted to Christ, 
it's going to be impossible for him to love his wife. That's just the, that's just the case. It was was going to be. It's going to be absolutely impossible because he won't know what love is. But um, in terms of patriarchy, I'm gonna put the the Google definition. The read it because listen, listen. I want to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get it, no, get it out there. Man, no cop outs. No cop outs. No cop outs. What's your definition? Oh, what's my? Oh, what's my definition? That, that that's what being asked. We asked my definition. I thought we. I thought we was being asked. I, 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 we I agree with you. What is it? What is okay, it? Okay, so that's what I was gonna do. I was gonna say what it was, and then what my stance was. I got the definition right here. Here we go. It says a system. First definition is a system of society or government in which the father or eldest male is head of the family and descent is traced through the male line. A system or a society or government in which men hold the power and women are largely excluded from it or a society or community organized on patriarchal lines. So that's patriarchy. Okay. No, I don't agree with it. Because of Genesis 1, 26 and 27, that was from man and woman to basically to, we, we all know it, Genesis 1, 26, 27, to replenish the earth. So this was the call from the very beginning, from the garden, from the very beginning, it was man and woman, equal. And women are not lesser than man because the same fullness of God that God made Adam in, he pulled, he didn't make Eve separately, he pulled Eve out of Adam. So she, it's, it's equal, equal. The way we set it up, is through power, is through trying to rule and everything. And that's that's not the case. That's not the case. We're not supposed to, we're not supposed to do it in a way where we're gonna the way we set it up, kind of like how we was going by terms earlier, the way we set it up is how men have to be the ones ruling. It's because of that, it's a lot of men have control issues. And they, I would even say patriarchy, I'm going to say patriarchy is very close knit where slavery comes from. It comes from the same mindset. It comes from the same mindset of trying to control somebody else so you can benefit on more, having more power. It's a lust of power at the end of the day. And it's not at all how God designed it. Uh, we could see that um, even with, um, ah, What's her name? She was a, a prophet in Judges. Deborah. Deborah. Thank you, Deborah. We can see that with Deborah, where she like she was the one pulling Barak around, saying, "Yo, let's let's do this." <laughs> so it's like we have to understand, we have to understand that there is a difference in how biblically, how you know, men and women, you know, rule together. Men were more so ruling due to the overtime um, curse of the law, I mean, curse of, of the fall. But if we go by God's original intent, and if we understand what the root word and the etymology behind redemption means, God's goal is to bring everything back to how it was in the garden. And if that is God's goal in the first place, then we need to be eternity-minded because a lot of us, 
a lot of us, it's like we we live for eternity. If we follow after Christ, then we're here for eternity. Our minds, which full circle, should be kingdom oriented, kingdom minded. The kingdom doesn't do things like this way. That's going back to what we said earlier. This, this is a standard. This is how the kingdom of the world does their does their dealings. But the kingdom of God does things a whole bit differently. There, there's a couple of things um, that I wanted to say with with direct regard to to what Justin was saying. Uh, one about in Genesis, and first of all, I, I agree completely. Uh, we tend to miss the fact that when when God said, "Let us make man in our image," it says, "Male and female, He created them." So even before Eve was pulled from Adam, male and when God created mankind, He didn't just create men he created humankind male and female he created them and so yes that that was his original design uh i do also think that uh one of those definitions that you read kofi uh, talked about the uh a family being uh the family line coming through the the male and i see uh, several times throughout scripture where God uses things that we can understand to, to explain things to us so that, so that we can understand them. Think, he'll break things down in human terms the same way he sent Jesus in human form. And so I, actually, I see two different types of patriarchy at, at work. There is the biblical example through which when we, when we trace the lineage of Jesus, it, it always baffled me before because, uh, well, if, if he was conceived of the Holy Spirit, then how does he trace back to, to David and all of them? Because it was traced through his bonus dad. It was traced back through Joseph. I think that was an example that God used for us to understand that God is the father. He used the, what was culturally known to demonstrate and help understand he is head. But he, again, we only even refer to him as he because we lack sufficient language to describe him as what he truly is. I think that may be one reason why the, the early Hebrews wouldn't even say his name out loud because he doesn't fit into the human construct. And humanity is a construct. He constructed it. Time is another one of those things that he constructed just for us. There was no before before time. He created time just to bring us here so he so we could join him in eternity. So patriarchy, for me, in the biblical sense, is one of those things God used what we could understand to demonstrate his authority. And we have manipulated scripture. We have manipulated his example and made ourselves God. The same temptation that the, that the serpent gave in, in the garden. We want to make the decisions. We want to decide what's right and what's wrong. And so we have manipulated to the point of what we see today, what it has grown into. And again, to agree with what Justin said, that is not, that is not God's original design. I actually, 
wanted to correct myself. Thank you for saying that because when you said that, um, I was led to actually look up the root definition of patriarchy because I've been trying to do that more often. And patriarchies means ruling father. So basically goes to what the original, the first definition that Kofi read off is more led towards the male chief and head of the family is the ruling father. And that, that much in a sense where, which we got to change our definition of rule, rule more so is more so in leading back in, back in those days, I believe I got to double check that. Please don't quote me on that. I'm speaking off the fly right now, but I will say, I do agree with what you said, the biblical construct of patriarchy is what I agree with where the father is the head of the household as explained um, in Corinthians. So definitely appreciate you um, sharing that. Yeah, I, I, I was listening. I was going to wait until you guys finished because I'm like, when you, when you say you disagree, I'm like, but you know, we celebrate Abraham, we celebrate Isaac. They call them the patriarchs and stuff. So, but you guys figured it out. So I didn't need to say none. Jermaine, I know you got something to say, you got some wisdom to add. No, I was just gonna say I, I agree. I agree with um what's, what else was being shared. Um, I think that uh, in terms of using that dynamic, using that dynamic, or using biblical models to uh, exploit, or using you know biblical models to take advantage of, is far the, the farthest thing from God's intention, the farthest thing from God's love. And so, um, I agree. I don't. I don't. I don't necessarily um, mention. I think I think the original question was where does what is where does patriarchy fall in line with with kingdom kingdom men? Um, and I would say like, nah, I don't I don't I don't see how it falls in line with that um, because it's been used to exploit it for so many years. Right. Oh, I'll oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Keith. Go ahead. Even when we even when we go back, uh, and this just to me shows how much we perverted. God's intent for the, the, the father or the father figure leading the family. When God made his covenant with, with, with Abram, he was the one who walked through the, the split carcasses to make that covenant. He was, it, it was only him. So God as father was saying, I'm gonna make covenant with you, but it's all on me. And we've perverted it and flipped it around. And instead of putting it all on ourselves and making ourselves responsible for the covenant, we've made, we've made others, particularly women and children, we've made them responsible and, and thereby made them victims, victims of fatherhood as opposed to beneficiaries as they should be. Something I thought of earlier that I think of as relevant, where it says, I believe it was Peter who said to uh, the husbands, we should honor our wives as the weaker vessel. And in English language, just, just a little English lesson, as a weaker vessel doesn't mean she is the weaker vessel. And I think where we, where we get messed up and our egos get, get bruised and we become uh, abusive, abusive of scripture and abusive towards our families is we think somehow she's supposed to be weaker. It doesn't say she was weaker, but there's an honor that we're supposed to have because guess what? She might be the better leader between the two of you. She might, she might be able to manage finances better. 
She might be, she might have more degrees. What are you going to do with that? Still honor her as though she is weaker. Doesn't mean she is weak, but still show her the honor and defer to her as though she need you, needs your covering, needs you to go to bat for her. Not because she needs you, but honor her in that way. And I feel like we, I feel like we missed that. It's about honor, not about strength or weakness. Great point. <laughs> uh, and and, and that, that begs the question is like, where did we go wrong and how can we like right the ship in our families? Because I feel like uh, with the lack of kingdom men, I guess, but a, a lack of men after God's own heart in the household uh, has contributed to, you know, the downfall of the family unit. I, I feel that way in a lot of times. I feel like if, since we're not present there, or we're like truly following God the best way we can, you know, seeking his heart, like we mismanage our family. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I know there are people that, you know, that we look up to that in the Bible that have done that. But my point is, is like, how can we uh, first and foremost fix the situation and um, where did we go wrong and how can we fix it? And also I want to know is like, um, just answer that and I ask the other question. Yeah, I, I, could, I could chime in on that. I would say that, um, so there's this, there is this dynamic of intentionality that is within everything that God does and everything that God fashions and everything that God purposes. His intentionality is very vivid. It's very, it's, it's there, right? Um, as men, um, when we take on the role of man of the house or father of the house, um, without the intentionality behind it to love as God loved, without the intentionality behind it to um, protect as God protects, to provide as God provides, to um, support as God supports, then it's like, it's almost like a, like a bag, a, a, a bag of chips that don't really have any chips inside of it. It's like, it looks like it's supposed to look, but on the inside it's empty. It's like, it's just, it's, it's not, it's not, um, it's not providing or it's not giving what, it, what, what it should be giving. And so I think intentionality, lack of intentionality is a huge culprit when it comes to this, um, there's almost and 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 for for and we you know we talk about different socioeconomic backgrounds and things of that nature and how um, I would say um, black men or black fathers um, or fathers of color typically have to take on a, or historically have to take on a lot of work to provide for the family and as a result of that work they've been absent in other areas and you know there are other things that there are other things at play but I would say that um, it's almost as if we men have like checked off like or prioritized things that that were needed shelter food you know um tangible things that were needed but in terms of the intangible things care love mercy grace support emotional support right emotional stability um i think that that, that fell by the wayside as, as a result of um not being intentional with it so um i think that mirroring the intentionality from god is uh something that's been lacking. Um, and I think it's a huge culprit, not the only culprit, but definitely a huge culprit. And, yeah. and I think uh, really quick, uh, I'll, I'll smooth <laughs> When you said that they lack a lot of mercy and stuff and, and grace, do you think that uh, because we're taught in our society that men aren't supposed to be emotional, that that has a lot to do with it? Absolutely, absolutely. It's definitely uh, cultural implications 
where um it may not be it may not be biblically supported but it's what they see in front of them it's what's affirmed it's what's supported um it was i mean it was i mean we talked about this last time how we're in the generation now but we're in a time now where we're we're uh uh promoting mental health but man decades years going back that would you know man up and so uh i think that's i, I think i think you're you're absolutely right i just wanted to comment on something that jermaine said and i got this this picture in my head when you talked about a bag of chips and it, do y'all remember when chips, I mean, some tortilla chips will do, but you remember when bags of chips used to have a window on the front and you could see on the inside of them. And now you can't see on the inside of them. When you open it, there's way fewer chips than it used to be. And I just see like, that's how we can be is that we don't let anybody see inside. We just look good on the outside. There's a picture of what's supposed to be on the inside. But then when you open us up, it, we're lacking. Um, just to add, uh, Kofi, and I agree with both what, what Keith and Jermaine said, but um, you asked, like, where do we go wrong? A lot of us really just turned away from putting God first. That just comes down to it. Um, you know, a lot of us, I'm not, I'm not going to go down, like, towards, like, biblical history and everything, but just focus on modern times. A lot of us don't really keep God first. A lot of us are really preoccupied. And a lot of us are, you know, preoccupied with the pace of social media. What I mean by that is we are led by our last push notification or by the, our last reset scroll. That's how we tend to move these days. So it's like, to piggyback over what Jermaine said, a lot of what we say and do lacks intentionality towards it. We don't have the intention of turning our phone on airplane mode and going into another room and praying anymore as much. We don't have the intention of, you know, setting up a time to just, you know what, let me just have Bible study. We'll have notifications for everything else. But when it comes to God, we don't make that time for him first. And the thing is, the reason why I'm saying that's where we went wrong is because everything else comes from that. Everything else comes from that. Our our creative works, being content creators comes from that. Our um, ability to, you know, do really well on our job comes from that. Our ability, as I mentioned earlier, to love our spouses comes from that. Our ability to raise our children in a godly fashion comes from that. So we don't spend time with the standard. We don't have a standard up. Um, I, I, I want to say this, and I'm going to leave it here because we can talk about this forever. But uh, that's a great point. Um, I, I, I think about going back to our first love, but then I have to ask the question too. And you don't have to answer this because like I said, it's, it's going to extend the time, but it's something to think about. Like sometimes when we try to go back to God or whatever, some of us have a warped view of who he is, right? So if we, sometimes we want to go back to God, but in our minds, he's cruel, he's mean, he's hard, right? So we go, just like when Paul said in Colossians about, um, oh, what's that word? How the Catholics and stuff used to do it all the time when they used to beat them, beat their bodies. What is that word? It began with an A. Um, 
whatever you guys don't talk about you read it afflict right no it's uh it's like self-affliction but it's a it's a term for it but um we we beat ourselves up and and we go try to do all these penances and stuff because we're trying to earn god's favor so i think like as it's like you know jermaine knows what i'm trying to say because i see him nodding but it's like we need to go back to god but we need to know who he is first because sometimes we like i said we have a warped sense of who he is from you know poor teaching and whatnot and it's like how can we how can we learn who he is like we can read the bible right we can listen to sermons and stuff but it's like when you have those blinders on when you have that warped view it's like how do you correct that like i said you don't have to answer because that's yeah no i know i know that you yes you open up a can i'm not gonna say it's a can can of worms but you definitely opened up a can there um in short i would say that um uh it's jesus it's jesus or it's nothing um i and i, and I, I you take you talk about justin mentioned he basically justin mentioned basically like spiritual maintenance you talk about bible you talk about reading your bible studying your bible you talk about praying uh meditating on the word uh you could put fasting in there you could put worship in there you could put praise in there right why are you doing it why because if the if if the if the the motive is i'm doing this to get closer to god as if it could as if it could ever bring you closer to god then you just is this off from the jump it's 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 it, you're you're already you're already kicking yourself kicking yourself you already got a foot in the, a foot in the ground like you just it's just off um but if it's in response to being closer to god then boom you you know you you it's it's fruitful it becomes it adds to your relationship with god and i think that like i'm not going to go there because it will be here all night but this this gospel this gospel there's power in the gospel like there, it, it really is powerful when 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 christ when it's christ at the center it's powerful um and i think that's like a huge is something. I'm not gonna go there tonight because you don't got time, but it's something. Yeah. I will say this. Um, as I'm as you were talking, the word submission came to mind, right? And this is this is to answer the question. Because even if you have a missed um if you if you don't know who God is, or you have this this misview of him, whatever I'm, I'm that's not the word I'm using, but my brain isn't working because my mind's going hundred miles an hour right now. The point is there's submission. And like Paul said, whenever he came to Christ, he threw everything out of his mind. He started from scratch. And even if we may have a poor view of God, and if you really want to be closer to him, the best thing that we can do as men is to just start over clean. God, I know nothing about you. Okay, so teach me who you are. All my preconceived notions, all my preconceived ideas, everything that I thought I knew. I don't know anymore. So fill me up with the true knowledge of who you are and build me up from there. And whenever you want to act on what you thought you knew, slow down and say, God, okay, teach me. Is this the right way to act? And once you start to submit to his spirit and not react because of what you thought you know, you what you thought you know, what you want to do, and you just really slow down, and then we can start to go back to that. Because I had to do that before. Because when like I used to think I knew God and a lot of stuff, and he's like, uh-uh, you know, slow down. And so now I, I make it a habit to where I say, okay, God, I don't know this. All right, or I don't understand this. So before I react or I, before I act, show me. And I think that's that restraint, because we talked about that last time about restraint, about self-control. And that's something that we need to do not only in our natural lives, but our spiritual lives as well. 
Um, again, guys, like I said, we could talk about this forever, and yeah. I don't want to, I'm, I'm respecting you guys' time. Um, do you have anything, any closing things to say uh, before we end this one? I'll just close with saying with what you said, that's how I open up and read my Bible. I That's one of my prayers. I said, Lord, I know nothing. Teach me, Holy Spirit, teach me. I know nothing. I It's like any revelation, anything I knew before, I don't consider, I consider it nothing now. If it's, if you desire me to, to keep that, then I'll see it over again. And that's, I keep it simple like that. <laughs> I was going to say the exact same thing and even grabbed a prop. Every time we come to this, come to it empty. I don't know what it says. Too often we come to it looking to confirm what we think we already know. Come to it empty and, and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal himself to us. The way that religion, Christianity has been taught for the most part, it's laced with self-condemnation. It's laced with guilt. It's laced with shame. It's laced with a whole lot of things. It's laced with a whole lot of things that's graceless, merciless, uh, and doesn't reflect the, the love of God. And so um, once you um, increase your faith to believe God is who he say he is, uh, it, it be, this, this, this Bible becomes so much more fruitful. This Bible becomes so much more alive to you. Um, once you come out, once you come out of this, this shell or of the condemnation, the, the shame, the guilt, um, that's common within a lot of church circles, circles. Um, yeah, this Bible is it, some food, it's some good food. <laughs> it, is, it really is. And and in my closing statement is uh see, I'm I'm on this thing about submission. And you know, you guys said it earlier, but I think as men, that is the key for us, submission. And when we think of submission, we think of it as being a slave, right? But that, or, or being, you know, ruled over, but that's not really what submission is. You know, it's like, when I think of submission, it's like when it said that Christ laid his life down for us, right? Or he gave, like in what was it, Philippians 2, how he gave up his throne and all that stuff and he took the form of a man. That's our model as men, but we don't want to submit our pride. We don't want to submit our wants and our needs. And I think in order for us to reach the greatness that we want to achieve, we have to learn how to submit. And not only submit to him, but we have to submit to our families. And we don't want to think about that because like, oh, we're men. We don't need to submit. We run stuff. But no, it's like we, as, as, as Christian men, like we won't be as great as we can be unless we submit our hearts to God and, and learn how to submit and not think of it as something that's being negative or being a beta male. Because the greatest alpha male we know was perfect at submitting not only to the father's will but he submitted his life for us so uh and if we're going to love our wives as christ loved the church what better example to follow than him so we shouldn't look at submission as something negative or bad it's something that we should probably embrace Hold on me when a leg gotta reach. Roll on me, but we're picking us feet. What's real? Can't tell. It must be a secret. Plan to be the man to see what fantasy worth. I cannot leave. I gotta put the family first. Ain't no sanity and vanity. We know we worth. And we about to break it down like the family curse. Do anarchy, I love enough to canopy earth. We a problem. We the answer. It's a mantra.